Well, good morning, Orangewood. Great to see all of you. Before we get to the sermon today, I just want to let you know that today is actually a special day in this room, in this building. Uh, June 12th, 1988 was the first ever worship service held right here in this location. So that's a wonderful thing to be reminded of and celebrate. Yep. June 12th doesn't fall on a Sunday very often, but 34 years ago right here. Um, if you are here with us, your guest, really glad you're here. We are in our second week of a sermon series we're going to do through the summer, fittingly called The Summer in Psalm 23. Uh, we're going to spend the entire summer looking in depth at this great, amazing psalm uh, many of us know. And our hope is that uh, this psalm, we would memorize this psalm by the end of the summer together, that we'd be able to say it, to pray it, to sing it, and that it would mean a lot to us. Uh, out in the lobby also for the next couple weeks, we'll have um, these uh, prints that you can pick up. Uh, they're for sale. You can pay for them through the Church Center app uh, or some free postcards, just ways to help come alongside, help you memorize this great psalm. Uh, you can also go to orangewood.org slash psalm 23 or on the homepage of our Church Center app and you can find a video there explaining why we chose this psalm, uh, why we believe this psalm matters as part of our memory. And uh, there's some lock screens and um, some home screen images for you to help with memorization as well. And so each week as we gather, we're going to pick up the previous verses we've already done and we will keep memorizing them. If you're with us uh, each week, you'll be able to memorize with us Psalm 23. And so uh, let's stand this morning out of reverence uh, for God's word and its authority over our life. And we'll read aloud together. The first verse we covered last week and then our section for today. And so uh, let's say this together. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Before you take a seat, would you pray with me? And so gracious father, meet us today. with a reminder of your goodness, uh, with the reminder of your promises that we truly lack nothing with you. No matter what we've brought here into this room, that we can be at rest in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Uh, today, uh, we're going to look at our second verse, the very beginning of our second verse, um, the part we just read, these words. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Uh, the great Baptist minister from the 19th century, Charles Spurgeon, uh, said in these words, we see God's ability and God's goodness meet. God's ability and God's goodness meet. David tells us God will make us lie down in green pastures. What is offered to us today? What is offered? Uh, we need to answer this question first before we can really get to it. Notice in our passage, 
David doesn't say, God makes me lie down in greener pastures. This is very important for us to notice. We, we, can, we can have this experience that once my external world gets figured out, uh, once this situation in my life uh, gets resolved, once, once this conflict uh, goes away, um, uh, once this issue at my work gets resolved, once, once this um, issue that I'm facing gets dealt with, th then I can be at rest. Uh, then, then I can experience peace. I'll finally, I finally have the peace that I'm looking for. Once, once that thing out there finds resolution, what I really need is greener pastures. Uh, once, I, once I get there, once I, once I get this, once I attain this, whatever that is for you, uh, once this conflict gets resolved in my life, once, once, once we get over what happened, then, then I will be happy. Then I can find peace. But the greener pastures never come. The, the, whatever pasture we find ourselves in, there, 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 there's always going to be another weed that seems to, to prop up. Have you noticed this in your life? There's, if you're not worrying about this thing anymore, now you're worrying about this thing. It's, there's a new thing uh, that causes us to divert our attention. However green the pastures are, they can always be a little bit greener. Just a little bit. Have you noticed this in your life? Uh, Joe Queenan uh, writes for uh, the New York Times. He writes for uh, GQ magazine. And he was talking about and diagnosing our culture that we find ourselves in. And he says, we live in a culture with, quote, an inability to accept the ordinary, end quote. He says, there's always this longing for more. Greener pastures. Uh, one of the best places I saw this uh, in my life was I was watching uh, the Golden Globe Awards show. And it, you know how they have announcers or people presenting awards. They come out to present and uh, the, 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 the announcer comes over and he says, uh, please uh, welcome to the stage two time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey. Jim Carrey was coming to do uh, uh, nominees for best motion picture and comedy. And, and as he's walking out, he's, he's announced the two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. And, and in this moment of comedic brilliance that Carrey has, he, he just ad-libs on what this announcer just uh, said about him and this longing for more and for greener pastures. Uh, this is what he said when he walked out. Quote, I am two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey. You know, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just a guy going to sleep. I'm a two-time Golden Globe winner, Jim Carrey, going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't just dream any old dream. No, sir, I dream about being three-time Golden Globe winning actor, Jim Carrey. Everybody's laughing. And then he says this. Because then I would be enough. It would finally be true. And I could stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. Carrie's ad lib riot of laughter amongst all these A-listers turned into a very awkward moment 
because he named what everyone in that room have, was feeling. That once I get the success, uh, once I get a little more fame, uh, once I'm up on that podium with the acceptance speech, then I'll know him enough. And all the A-listers in that room were longing for greener pastures. What Carrie was hitting at was the belief that we all fall into, all of us. You're not alone. Okay, once this thing gets resolved, once this issue gets dealt with in my life, once I get to this place, everything will work out as I believe it should. Once I get this promotion, once this conflict gets resolved, once I get into the college that I've always dreamed about, once I am a three-time Golden Globe winner, then everything will be right with the world. Then my inner world will experience the rest and contentment that I always have been longing for, but it never ends. The search never ends. Because, because the issue ultimately isn't outside of us. The issue is rather here. There is a restlessness that we all experience. One person said, we live in an age now that is full of irritation and hurry. I thought that was so well put. The, 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 where we find ourselves, we live, we live in a place of irritation and hurry. Our inner world aches. Uh, Bernard Levin was a British journalist. He wrote for the London Times. And I think he aptly described the greener pastures that we can all be searching for. He said this, Countries like ours are full of people who have all the material comforts they desire together with the non-material blessings as a happy family and yet lead lives of quiet and at times noisy desperation. Understanding nothing but the fact that there is a hole inside of them and that however much food and drink they pour into it, however many motor cars, you can tell he's riding in a different time. We don't say motor cars anymore. However many motor cars and television sets they stuff in it, However many well-balanced children and loyal friends they parade around the edges, the hole still aches. The hole still aches. Orlando, where we find ourselves, is a city teeming with upward mobility for you and me and the promises of greener pastures. We, we can be duped into believing the next job, uh, the next promotion, the next house, the next item, the next diet, the next whatever will finally solve the ache, but the ache still aches. The hurt still aches. Where, friends, this morning are you looking for greener pastures and they do not seem to be satisfying? Second, if we don't turn to greener pastures, we can turn to former pastures. Uh, there is no philosopher who has more accurately described the life longing for former pastures than Uncle Rico from Napoleon Dynamite. Uh, anyone seen Napoleon Dynamite, the cult classic? Yeah, anyone know Uncle Rico? Yeah. Uncle Rico, um, if you haven't seen the movie, I, I grieve for you. I grieve for you this morning. <laughs> but in the movie, if you haven't seen it, Uncle Rico is a middle-aged man 
who's uh, in this scene sitting on the porch with his nephew, reminiscing the golden days back in a certain year. Anybody remember the year? 1982. Listen to former pastors from your pal and friend, Uncle Rico. He said this, quote, back in 82, I used to be able to throw a pigskin. That's a football. I used to be able to throw a pigskin a quarter mile. Yeah. If coach would have put me in during the football game back in 82, we would have been state champions. No doubt. No doubt in my mind. Things would have been different for me. I would have gone pro in a heartbeat. I would be making millions of dollars, living in a big old mansion somewhere, soaking it up in a hot tub with my soulmate, end quote. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's Uncle Rico for you. The scene is probably my favorite scene in the whole movie because you can see the anxiety as he shares this and the utter regret of his life at the same time, the pain of former pastors. In this, mo in this moment, right after he says this, uh, Uncle Rico turns to his technology savvy nephew and he begins to ask his nephew, hey, do you know anything about time travel? Does it exist? Is it a possibility? And his nephew says, oh yeah, I've already looked into it because all Rico wants is a chance to go back to 82, to get back to former pastors. This is how many of us feel. If I could go back to that place where everything seemed better before the divorce, before the cancer, before the, I lost my job, if I could just go back to 82, if I could be successful again, if I could have my youth again, if I could have my energy again, if I could have my hair again, don't laugh. <laughs> Uh, this is what the people of Israel felt uh, as they were wandering in the wilderness. They, they, they've come to Moses. They say, Moses, can we please return and go back to Egypt where everything was better? And, and, and this is the thing that will happen to you and me. And they've studied this in neuroscience. Your brain will play tricks on you uh, because your memories are not your memories. You, you, you begin to spin your memories over time. And they began to do this about Egypt. Oh, can we go back to when everything was great in Egypt? They were slaves in Egypt. But they don't seem to remember that now. And we can be duped into believing that former pastors will solve the aches that we carry. So what is offered to us this morning? It's not former pastors. It's not greener pastors. It is green pastors. And now we have to understand the implications of what David's talking about when he says you are offered green pastures. We might be thinking of lush green grass this morning. That's what I was thinking of before I started studying this passage, lush green grass. I thought of, of England. If you've been to England, I've been a couple times. You see sheep everywhere and there's green grass everywhere. Why? Because it rains all the time. You feel like the rain's coming up from underneath. You're like always wet in England. Have you ever noticed that? But that's not David's situation in these Psalms. There, there isn't much farmland in Israel and the farmland they had, shepherds weren't allowed to bring their sheep there for obvious reasons. 
Uh, the only time the sheep were allowed into the farmland was after the harvest. So after everybody had already had their food, but most of the times they were driven into these desert mountains to graze for food and that they would, they would go in and there, the, these desert mountains, you would have rain very little throughout the year and you would get um, a breeze of the humidity would come off the Mediterranean sea. And so it would fall on these rocks and the cool water would condensate and roll down the side of these rocks and form these little bushes. What you see, these images, that is what David's thinking of when he says green pastures, that right there, that's green pastures, that little bit of grass right in front of you. That is green pastures. And if you see, there's not a lot there. If you're looking at these desert mountains where, where the shepherd is taking you, uh, you may be thinking to yourself, this is not going to satisfy me. This is not going to be enough. But this is the amazing thing about these green pastures, though they don't look like much, though the pastures look insufficient. Our passage tells us you can settle down in them. Uh, to settle down in them means to be satisfied. And this is the great reality to these pastors being offered to you this morning. No matter what external circumstances you have going on in your life, no matter how bleak the world looks right now, no matter how disappointing your job may feel, no matter how lonely you feel as a student, no matter how barren the mountain of debt is consuming, no matter the bleakness of the desert, there are green pastures to be received by faith and they will satisfy you if you will trust your shepherd and put your confidence in him to supply your need. I love the way Martin Luther King Jr. put it, talking about faith and really the step we all take. He says this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. There are green pastures that look like a desert, but they will satisfy. They are a peace and a rest right in the middle of the desert of your life. Do you want that? Well, that brings us to the second question. Who will give it? Uh, who, 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 who will give these green pastures to you and me? Who gives the, the contentment and rest no matter the circumstances we find ourselves in? Who will satisfy us in the bleakest conditions? Uh, the passage tells us about the shepherd. And, and, and what we find is there was actually a lot of competition in the ancient world over the term the shepherd. Marduk was the chief God in Babylon. And uh, there was a hymn of praise to Marduk explaining the benevolent care of the weak. Uh, hymns to Marduk called him the benevolent shepherd. Shamash was a Mesopotamian sun God. And uh, there's a hymn that declares Shamash is the shepherd of all creatures. The Egyptian sun god Ra has a hymn line that reads this, the brave protector who tends the flocks, end quote. So the reality in the ancient world was there was this many claiming to supply you with green pastures. There were many claiming to provide satisfaction in the desert. And today we don't have Shamash, we don't have Marduk, we don't have Ra, but there are many gods today promising us that they will be our shepherd, that they will provide satisfaction we are all looking for, and we don't realize it 
until they let us down. One today promising to be your shepherd, if you will let them, is your money. I will take care of you, it says. Just a little bit more, and then you will experience green pastures. But inflation and the stock market will tell you today that God isn't going to meet your needs. Have you tried filling up a full tank of gas recently? Uh, there was a joke I actually read online recently. Somebody was talking about uh, the stock market and uh, sorry for anyone invested in the stock market, but this, this person was saying, you know, uh, with the way the stock market is going right now, we need to start calling 401ks, 301ks to accurately uh, describe reality. I thought that was a pretty good one. But this God is no laughing matter, actually. Sadly, I read recently an online post. Anyone here invested in cryptocurrency? Anyone? Yep. Yeah, it's okay if you want to cry. Um, the stock market has been rough, but crypto has been even worse. And sadly, in this online thread, after crypto bottomed out, people who had invested a lot of money basically put all of their investment into crypto um, had taken to this online Fred to begin asking questions about how do I commit suicide? This is serious. Life was no longer living. See, crypto had become their shepherd. Uh, this is the point Jesus was making in the Sermon on the Mount, friends. He, he says, we cannot serve God and money. Only one can be our true shepherd. For others, we can make our career our shepherd and live in the constant fear of failure. I read recently an interview with Dustin Hoffman, the great actor. He's 84 now, but it was a couple years back. They sat down to interview him about just the life of being an acclaimed actor. And, you know, he's won multiple Oscars. And this is, he admitted, I live under the constant fear of failure. He said this in an interview. Quote, they say you're only as good as your last movie. And that scares me. It's the fear that I'm never going to be hired again. And that is a constant fear. We can be duped this morning, friends, into believing there's another God out there who promises to provide green pastures, who promises to shepherd you and me and will only disappoint. The second place we can turn for green pastures is not out there to someone, but here in my own strength. And maybe you've heard the great William Henley uh, poem, Invictus, um, describes our modern world. He says this, it matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Oh, we can sometimes take the position in life that uh, I have to be my own shepherd. I, I, I can't rely on anyone else to take care of me. I've always been let down. I've always been disappointed. The only person who will look out for me is who? Me. It's me. I have to be the master of my fate. I have to be the captain of my soul. And, and what happens is, we, as great as we are, as we believe our abilities are, we realize at some point in our life, there are things outside of our control. And we just, as much as we try, we just can't control them. As much as we try, we, 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 will, we, will, we will try to control and it will only drive us further and further and further away from green pastures the more we try to control them. 
I, I don't know if you heard the story uh, about this encounter between this U.S. naval ship and uh, uh, the Canadian authorities. Uh, the transcript on the radio conversation is between U.S. naval ship and these Canadian authorities off the coast of Newfoundland in October of 1995. The Americans started the conversation. They're having a head-on collision. The Americans say, please divert your course 15 degrees to the north to avoid a collision. The Canadians respond back, we recommend you divert your course 15 degrees to the south to avoid a collision. The Americans respond, this is the captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. Canadians reply, no, I say again, you divert your course. So now it, it, it's, it's up another level. Americans respond, this is an aircraft carrier, USS Lincoln, the second largest ship in the United States Atlantic Fleet. We are accompanied by three destroyers, three cruisers, and numerous support vessels. I demand you to change your course 15 degrees north. That's one five degrees north, or countermeasures will be undertaken to ensure the safety of this ship. The Canadians' final reply, this is a lighthouse. Your call. <laughs> now, as much as I wanted this to be true, this, this actually never happened. It was painful when I read that. But I think the story still describes what happens when we're consumed with our own way. How we try to control everything and everyone in our life. And in our quest to constantly look out and trust only ourselves, we miss out on the invitation from this good and true shepherd who is offering us rest in his care. Uh, Charles Wesley described this desire to be our own shepherd in one of his, his hymns. And he says, the pasture I languished to find. The pasture I languished to find. Do you hear him? I was my own shepherd, but it didn't provide me the peace and security I was looking for. I was the master of my own fate, the captain of my own soul, but I languished in my search. Who will give us green pastures of contentment and peace? It is not the other gods. It is not Marduk. It is not your career. It is not others' approval. It is not ourselves. We will languish to find green pastures. Who will give it? Well, Psalm 23 tells us only God can be your shepherd. There are 150 Psalms, and uh, of all the Psalms, there are different categories of each of the Psalms. Uh, and this Psalm, Psalm 23, is called a Psalm of Confidence. I love that. A Psalm of Confidence. It's a Psalm of the reminder of who you can trust this morning, who you will provide the green pastures. Contentment, no matter the circumstances you are facing this morning. No matter the evil present in our world, no matter the uncertainty that lies ahead, there is a good God who is in control of all things. And you can trust him. You can trust him. He will satisfy you with green pastures. This is how Isaiah put it in Isaiah 26. He says this, he's speaking to God. Uh, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts and you trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Isaiah tells us God keeps us in perfect peace. This in the Hebrew is actually shalom, shalom. 
That's a beautiful picture. This word shalom, it really carries with the idea of wholeness, that when God created all things in the very beginning, uh, this is how he designed you to live. This was the invitation he offered you, that you could live in wholeness with God, with others, with yourself, with all creation. Shalom. Who is offering this shalom? Who is inviting you into green pastures? The God of the universe is saying, you can put your confidence in me no matter what you are facing and he can deliver you. And if you put your peace and confidence in him right in the middle of the desert, he will provide. But that leads us to the final question. How do we get it? How how do we get these green pastures that are being offered? Well, right here in the verse, it tells us he makes me lie down. How, How do we get the green pastures? We have to surrender our lives to the care of this shepherd and let him lead our lives. And this, frankly, is one of the hardest parts of being human. Giving up control of our lives is incredibly difficult. Uh, This is actually uh, what the woman at the well experienced in John 4. Uh, If you know the story, uh, she has gone alone in the middle of the day to get water. Uh, Nobody does that in the ancient world. Nobody goes to a well by themselves in the middle of the day. Uh, The only reason that she would do this is because she had been shamed by her community. Uh, She was ostracized. She was marginalized. But Jesus spends time with her and the story of truth begins to come out. She has continually propped up her identity with the approval of others. And here's what Jesus gets to right with the issue. He says this in John 14, 6. Uh, Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. And the woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you're right in saying this. I have no husband for you've had five husbands and the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now, I love this encounter uh, because she is busted. She is caught. Uh, her, Her life is not working out at all like she imagined it would be. She's been kicked out of her community. Uh, Her life is a mess. She's at rock bottom. Jesus tells her what her issue is. She recognizes he's wise. And then she calls him a prophet. But in this whole encounter, she never surrenders her life to him. Uh, It's amazing how long we will hold on to the belief that we can hold on in our own strength. How, it's amazing how long we will hold on to the belief that we, that we can hold on in our own strength. Uh, Richard Feynman uh, won a Nobel Prize for physics in 1965, and he said this. I thought this described it well. The first principle is that you must not fool yourself, and you are the easiest person to fool. In 1984, there was uh, Avianca Airlines out of Spain was flying a flight and investigators um, began studying the accident that had happened with that airline and they found an eerie discovery. Uh, The black box in the cockpit that begins the recording of how everything transpired uh, shared that several minutes before the impact of this, uh, this flight with a mountain, there was this shrill computer uh, synthesized voice in the plane's automatic warning system that started speaking to the pilots. And it kept saying to them, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. The pilot, evidently thinking the system was malfunctioning, 
is heard saying in the recording, shut up gringo and turning off the switch. Minutes later, the plane plowed into the side of a mountain. Everyone on board died. And this is the tragic story of how easy it is to fool ourselves. The belief that I can hold on in my own strength. Uh, friends, where are you hanging on this morning uh, in some area of your life, in your own strength? I just, just got to hang on a little bit longer. I can do this. I can do this. I can get past this. I can get over this. And what you need to do is surrender to Jesus. Uh, he is a good shepherd. He will make you lie down in green pastures. How do we get those green pastures? Well, first we surrender control to the shepherd. And secondly, we trust that he is good and he knows what he is doing, that he is good and he knows what he is doing. God asked you this morning, will, will you trust me? Will you trust me to give you satisfying pastures when everything around you makes you feel like you don't have enough? You, you look at the desert mountains and you see what very little is there and you're, you're, you're beginning to think God, this will not satisfy me. But, but God's saying, will you trust me? Will you trust me this morning to be your shepherd, to lead you, to satisfy you? to make you lie down? Will you trust me when it looks like it won't satisfy? Uh, this is the story of God's people throughout the Bible. We fret and we worry and we stew about our problems. We, we look at the desert mountains wondering how will that satisfy? How will that provide rest and peace? Uh, we see this, uh, how God will supply and meet our needs every step of the way. We read this in Deuteronomy. For the Lord, your God has blessed you in all the work of your hands. He knows you're going through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Same words we see in Psalm 23. You lack nothing. God tells you, you can trust him. You can trust him. Even in the great wilderness, even when you don't think you know where you are going, even when it feels like you are alone, he is with you and you have lacked nothing. What we see is that God has been faithful through the different seasons of life, through the wilderness. He has comforted in the difficult seasons. He has supplied our needs. And we have been given the invitation to settle down in green pastures with him. Here's what I know. Here's what I know. Your neighbor needs this shepherd. Your coworker needs this God. Now, I want to make sure I say they, they don't need you to beat them overhead with these verses. Oh no, that doesn't do any good, but they are longing to see a life of contentment and peace despite the circumstances and deserts of life. They need to see that there is a better life worth living and it's found in the green pastures of trusting this God who says he will be your shepherd through whatever you face, no matter what you go through, no matter what season of life you find yourself in, I will satisfy you, he says. Parents, parents, your kids want to see this life modeled in you. Students, you have an opportunity to show other classmates that anxiety, depression, and constantly feeling overwhelmed doesn't have to be the only way to live. But when we surrender and trust this shepherd, God will begin to work in amazing ways to settle you down in green pastures. 
What have you been holding on to to give your life meaning and purpose? And God is telling you today, you need to surrender that over because I will provide. I will meet your needs. I will supply. He will. What situation in your life are you looking at? And it looks like desert mountains and there's no way possible that God will see you through it. He will. What in your life do you keep looking at saying there's no way these green pastures will satisfy? He will. How will he give me rest? He will. Because he is the good shepherd. Maybe you're here and you're worried and worked up about something in your life. You feel like a sheep that is ready to run. Let's face it. There's a lot that can scare us these days. There's a lot that could overwhelm us. There's a lot that can hurt us, especially in our world. But God is telling you, trust the shepherd. Trust me. I'm good. And I know what I am doing. I'm good. And I know what I'm doing. Uh, God is inviting us this morning to come settle down in green pastures, to surrender our worries, our fears, our uncertainties, our anxieties, and to trust that he will supply green pastures right in the middle of the desert. George Herbert was a great Welsh poet, and uh, he put it so well in his poem on Psalm 23. I thought we would end with this. Herbert said this, the God of love, my shepherd is, and he that doth me feed while he is mine and I'm his, but can I want or need? Let's pray. Well, gracious father, would you impress upon our minds, our hearts, our will, that you are a good shepherd. That no matter the circumstances we may find ourselves in this morning, no matter how bleak the mountains may look, we can trust you and know that you are with us. What can I want or need? Father, remind us of your great promises this morning. Remind us of the ways that you've been already acting and working in our life to bring your goodness and your mercy. That we can trust you and surrender our lives to you again this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen, amen.